You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. If you have your program, take out your outline. We're going to be in God's Word together today, and we are in a series that I believe is going to have great value for you. Even if you're brand new to church, even if this is your first time you've been to church in a long time, or the first time you've been to church ever, and I want you to know that Christianity is a relational movement upward toward God and outward toward other people, but also inward toward ourselves. We need to know ourselves. Jesus said this, that one of the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and wait for it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You and I need to love ourselves. We need to know ourselves because as we understand ourselves better, we live in a culture that has an unhealthy love for self, And on the flip side, an unhealthy hate for self, a despising of ourselves. And we want to understand, God, who have you created me to be? Not who does the world want me to be or the people want me to be, but God, who have you created me to be? And I want you to know that here's why you need this series. You need this series because the story of you only makes sense within the big picture story of God. That your life And your contribution and who God's created you to be far surpasses whatever picture you want your life to work out looking like. That your story, your significance comes from understanding that you play a part in the big picture story of God and you want to get on board with what his story is in your life. But in order to do that, we've got to know ourselves. We've got to understand ourselves. We've got to understand our uniquenesses and why God has created us, who he's created us to be. He has created us. God knows you. God loves you. He knit you together before your mom ever held you. He knit you together in your mother's womb and he loved you then. You are his unique creation and he's created you to have a purpose and significance in this world. And that's just a beautiful thing. Last week, we talked about the one. And you say, what is the one? We're looking at nine personality types that kind of describe who we are. And we're going to be looking every week at God's word. And we're going to look intently at the word of God. That's all truth. But we're using a tool during this series called the Enneagram. It's just a tool. And the Enneagram tells us basically nine different personality types, that there's nine different types. Last week, we looked at the one. The one is the reformer. The reformer is the person who wants to be good. They want to do good. They see the world that it can be a better place. And so they kind of want to reform everything around them. The, The positive side is that they see the good and they represent the goodness of God. The negative side is they can see flaws, and they can look around and nitpick and say, well, everything needs to be better, and they can, they can become a little self-righteous right within themselves. And this week, we're going to look at the twos, the helper, the helper. How many of you in this room have taken the test so far, this, the story view test? You've done that? Awesome. Keep going. Keep taking it. It's not too late. You can do that online. But as you're doing it, this is what's so important to understand. If you are a helper that you love, and we love these people, We love the helpers. Why? They help us. They serve. They're always at the PTA. They're always at the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts. They're at the church. They serve. The two show up and come alongside and help you. That's who the helper is. That's who the twos are. I thank God for the twos. There's no church without the twos. In fact, the twos are serving right now so that you can sit in here and be undisturbed by your kids. They helped you find a place in the parking lot. They greeted you as you came in. They showed you where your kids can go so that you can be in here so that some of you can hear the word of God, that some of you for the first time can understand that God loves you and to be saved. 
That's what the twos do, and that's what they're awesome about. They're just amazing people. That's what they do. I thank God for the twos, and I thank God for what helpers do. And we're going to look at a helper in the Bible today. And we looked at this helper a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to take a little bit different angle on it today. We're looking at, last week we looked at two brothers, the prodigal son and his older brother who was a reformer, a one. And we looked at these two brothers that were at odds. And today we're going to look at two sisters. It's the sister's turn. How many of you in this room know that sisters sometimes don't get along? Yes, yes, you can nudge your sister or you can text her right now and say, Pastor said we sometimes don't get along. We're going to look at some sisters who are at odds in the Bible. And so if you have your Bible, open with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to what? Help me, right? That's a common cry, help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you need to understand the context of what's going on here. 2,000 years ago, ladies, you didn't have legal rights. Your testimony wasn't valid in the court of law. If you were the hands-on eyewitness to something like a murder, they would just dismiss your testimony because of your gender alone. Women were put down. Women were put into a place. They had no rights. They were a second-class citizen. All of their identity was wrapped up in their father, their husband, or their brother. Women were not allowed to learn. Why? Learning is power. And they wanted to keep women in what was considered at that time, 2,000 years ago, the woman's place. But look at Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he teaches women. He accepts them. He allows them to sit right next to the boys. And he begins to teach them. And so Mary is saying, this is so countercultural. This is such a great opportunity that God has become flesh, that Jesus is in our home, and I'm going to sit at his feet, and I'm going to listen to what he taught. I want to learn because our culture says women can't learn. But Martha, she was distracted. Listen to me, twos in here, helpers, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you serve us and you help us, but you're distracted. By what? By many things, all sorts of things, you're distracted. You get so wrapped up in the details that you get so wrapped up in helping that you miss the better opportunity. And Martha was so distracted right here about all the things that would happen around this big dinner. I mean, how many of you, for just being honest, would be distracted if God was coming to your house today to eat, right? You might just have a little bit on your plate, a little bit of, you know, on your agenda that you're saying, oh my goodness, like, I've got Jesus coming to my house today. And, and you'd be a little intimidated if God was coming over to your house to try your favorite recipe, You'd be like flipping through, making sure you did it maybe just like your mom, and you'd want to make it just great, right? So you would want to do that, and you'd feel a little bit of pressure. Well, Martha is distracted by the big dinner. She's preparing while God's here in her house. I get to see Martha. Oh, what do you got going on today? Ah, nothing much. She's like, I'm feeding God. Feeding God. 
He's coming over to the house today. I'm going to try a new recipe on him. So he likes it. Right? She's distracted. She's got all these things going on. She's feeding God. Listen, later we'll talk about the core sin of the helper or the two. But Martha's like this. She's in the middle of all this preparation. She's getting frustrated. And I don't know about you, but if you're a two, sometimes you don't ask for help until way after you actually needed help. Like it's been going on. You've needed help for an hour and a half and you've tried to do it all yourself, but you finally get to the point where you're gonna go ask for help and by this time the teapot is boiling over, you are gonna blow and the pressure is built up and so this is a situation where here it is, Martha comes in to disrupt Jesus teaching the boys and his sister. And so she comes, she's like, you know, Jesus, I've acknowledged that you're the Messiah, that you're the Lord, you're in charge of everything, but listen, I've got a suggestion, your lordship. I know that you're busy running the universe, that you're making the sun to shine to warm us here on the earth, that you're making trees grow, but I want, however, to help you understand and notice something that maybe just might need your attention. She comes, and she says, tell Martha to come here and what? to help me, right? She's needed help for a long time. She's frustrated. She's distracted by many things. And everybody should be helping because that's how two see the world, that we should all be working. We should all be volunteers. We should all be soccer moms. We should all be soccer dads. We should be community volunteers. We should be recyclers. We should avoid using single-use plastic. And we should pick up M&Ms and Skittles. No matter whose kid dropped them in the church, we should pick those up because that's what twos do. They just do it. That's what twos do. It doesn't matter if it was their mess or not. They see the need and they're going to take care of it because they're helpers. They're awesome people, right? So she says, tell Mary to come here and help me. But the Lord said to her, now listen, this is how Jesus tells off a person publicly. So what does Jesus do? She interrupts the middle of God's very word. And he says, Martha, Martha. In other words, he's saying, Dear Martha, you hear that? I mean, she's so frustrated, right? She's frustrated. She'd been frustrated. She finally comes up. She comes to Jesus. And she's like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I mean, Mary, 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 right? And Jesus is like, Martha, dear Martha. And he begins to lead her into something, away from something good, into something better. And that's what he begins to do. He says, you're worried and upset over many details, but there's only one thing right now to be concerned about. Listen to me, twos. How sad would it be if Jesus came to your house and you were so distracted by serving him that you actually missed out on relationship with him? How many of you know that you could be so in you know, preparation of all the things that happen to happen on Mother's Day, whether it's brunch, you're going out to dinner and fighting the traffic and finding parking and doing all these things that you might get so distracted by all the details that you actually miss spending time with your mom. How many of you know that that can happen? How many of you know that you can throw the best tailgater and be so distracted by all the tailgating that you don't actually relax and talk to people? How many of you know that at Christmas you can have people over to your house and you're so distracted by all the things that have to happen at Christmas that you actually miss meeting with people at your house that can happen on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Mother's Day, the Super Bowl, no matter what, right? It's very easy to get upset and consumed with all the details when in fact one thing actually matters. If you're taking notes today, write this down. The helper believes everybody should be serving like they are. 
For two, it's easy to serve. It's like the default. It's normal. It's easy to do dishes. It's easy to clean the house. It's easy to prepare. It's hard to actually sit down and spend time with people and sit down and slow down and spend time with God. And Jesus says, my dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details. Listen to me, twos. The most important thing that was happening at Martha's house that day was not the food that she was preparing. It was the food that Jesus was serving, the word of God. That the scripture tells us very clearly that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we're to walk away from the basic things, we're to get ourselves off of being a spiritual infant, and we're to move on to deeper things. We're to ingest the word of God to make it like whole food, to make it like solid foods, and we're to grow up in our salvation, we're to grow up in our faith. And Martha had already, she had publicly declared, you are the Messiah. And she had watched Jesus raise her brother Lazarus from the dead, and she had seen all these great things. She was absolutely in her head, convinced of who Jesus was, but she was in this moment distracted by the very things that would enable her to listen to the word of God that Jesus was serving and inviting her into in that moment. He's inviting her in. Listen, I'm so thankful for helpers. Praise God for you twos. There wouldn't be any Sun Grove Church without you twos. There's no kingdom without you. You serve, you care, you see needs, you show up, you build, you go above and beyond what is needed. You sacrifice. Praise God for you. You're so important and you're so needed. And if you're a two in here, praise God. You know why? Because that's unique for twos. Because so often in a church, they don't go to church. They go and serve at the church. Two so often will serve at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And they will actually fail to get themselves into church. Do you know why at Sun Grove Church we often share the value of celebrating God in worship at one worship service and serving God by using the giftedness that God's given you to serve others so that it prepares a place for them. You're setting the date for others to be able to come in, be undistracted, and fall in love with Jesus. And we want that. Why do we say celebrate and serve? Why do we preach that? Because of twos. Because for twos, you can serve the church, but it can be very, very hard for you at times to actually go to church. It can be difficult for you. And we communicate that value to the rest of you because you're taking advantage of the twos. We encourage you to not be lazy, to not just say, you know what, I show up on the weekend at church and everything's taken care of. It all gets done. I show up the next weekend and everything's taken care of. My seat has been set. My, you know, people help me find parking. They help me find a seat. They got in. I dropped my kids off. It's great. Like everything's done. We want you to celebrate and serve and not be lazy. Not take advantage of the twos. But twos, let me tell you, it's hard for you at times to actually go to church. And here's why. Number two in your outline, the helper reflects God's heart for service. Reflects God's heart for service. So the helper helps. What does God do? What's in God's very DNA? What's in his very nature? God said, you have a sin problem. I want to help you, and I'm going to come as a sacrificial servant in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to die on the cross for your sins, and I'm going to give you all my righteousness, and I'm going to take all your filth and your shame and your sin upon myself. I'm going to cancel it out. I'm going to advocate for you before God the Father. I am here to serve you. Some people read the Bible like, well, if Jesus was God, how come he didn't just say to everybody, hey, I'm God. Get over it. Serve me. 
Worship me. Fall down at my feet. Kiss my toes. Why didn't Jesus do that? Because that wasn't his agenda. He's reflecting the very heart of God, that he's a lover, he's a helper, he cares, he sees the need, and he responds to it. Twos, you do the same thing. You reflect God's heart for service. Mark 10, 45, speaking of Jesus, there's this phrase, the son of man, that's an Old Testament Isaiah phrase that points to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So it says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here it is, God, who could have come to be served, no, what did he do? He came to help. He came to serve. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, we would take a group of kids and we would go up in the mountains in Colorado to a retreat center. We'd have like our winter retreat. And at our winter retreat, one of the things that we would do at this camp, we would try to teach people the value of Jesus Christ being a servant, a helper in their life. So we would say this, at mealtime, you can't serve yourself. You have to have someone else serve you. So they go through the food line. You'd have somebody else on your plate. You're like, yeah, yeah, give me some tater tots. And they would give you some tater tots. Give me some eggs. They put some eggs on your plate. Give me like two pieces of bacon. They get bacon, give you some pancakes. You get back to your table. Then at your table, you couldn't like serve your own water. You couldn't like grab your thing and pour yourself a little water in the cup. You had to have like a friend do it for you. And what would happen is if you just forgot, and you reached over, and you grabbed the water pitcher, and you filled your own water, then your table would call timeout. They would say, you got to go up, and the, and the students would have to go up on this little hearth by the fireplace, and they'd have to stand up and say, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, which was our scripture memory for that weekend, right? So here's what's happening. There are some people, the twos, they're, they're at the table, and they're like, this is easy. I serve everybody all the time anyway. Like, I'm not going to ever have to say that verse because it's just who I am. I just help everybody. But then there's the reformers at the table. They are looking. They're like, oh, you, you kind of served yourself. And they're looking for somebody, and they're like, I'm going to call, throw the flag, and be like, you're on the, you got to go say that verse. And then there's the sevens who are the enthusiasts, and they're like, I'm going to accidentally, on purpose, in front of everybody, serve myself, so I have to go share the verse because I just think there's a big party, and let's have fun. And so they're all enthusiastic about it. And so there's all sorts of types of the achievers who we'll talk about next week are at the table, and they're basically like, I'm going to get through the whole meal, and I'm going to win. I'm never going to share that verse because I'm going to win, and that's the way it works. Like, I will not do this wrong, like, you know, and so they're, they're making sure that the ones are not looking at them at any given time because they just got to make sure they don't forget and they actually let other people serve them, right? So this is happening. Why? Because we're just trying to train people that God serves, but I got to ask you a question. Every weekend, you and I come and we worship a God who is our servant, and yet you might not serve. How can you worship a servant and not serve? I mean, even if you're a three, which we'll talk about next week, an achiever, achievers really struggle with serving. They want to lead, they want to go, they struggle with helps. But even an achiever can become a very healthy achiever and learn to humble himself or herself and serve where there's a need. And so we come before God, we go, God, I want to be like you. Listen to me, church, we take advantage of twos. We just do. You know why churches have to hire so many people? Because there's not so many people just serving the way that God has gifted them to serve. He's given you gifts. He's called you to be part of his body, to be part of his bride how many of you know that, that for the sake of your bride or your spouse, uh, you have to make concessions sometimes? You have to make concessions with expectations, right? So when I uh, was a single 
young adult and I'm going through grad school in Denver, Colorado at Denver Seminary, there were two places that kept me alive. One was a grocery store, the other was Taco Bell. Because I was going to starve otherwise without those places, right? So I would go. And I, when I was growing up, my mom did all the grocery shopping. She always just went, did the grocery shopping. She'd come home, then we'd help her unload the bags. But she just went and did her thing. She did not want three boys causing a ruckus when she went grocery shopping and we were old enough to stay at home alone, right? So that's the way it was. So here I am as a young adult, and I'm dating my to-be bride, and I am so looking forward to getting married because... because you know, I have an expectation that I can just delegate that thing. I am a, I'm like, dude, I, have, I am delegating that. I will lead. I will provide. But I'm going to delegate that task. Heather couldn't wait to get married. She just knew that we were going to go to the grocery store together. <laughs> I was going to push the cart, and she was going to price check, and, and we are going to go down every aisle, and she was going to straighten the labels for the sake of the people who work at the store because she's a helper. How many of you know that in marriage, you got to make some concessions? you got to adjust a little bit. Let me tell you, here's some free advice. Free advice for you guys in here especially. If you don't sacrifice, if you don't make concessions, if you don't come to agreement regarding expectation, there's a word for that. It's called divorced. <laughs> and so what happens, when I go out now, even as I'm like on the way home, or I'm around, anytime I'm near Walmart, near Trader Joe's, near Rayleigh's or a grocery store, I call my wife and say, honey, is there anything you need? Because I'm right in the area, I'm in the same parking lot as a grocery store, is there anything you need? Because I love my wife, because I love my kids, because I want to stay married. <laughs> you make concessions, and sometimes we say, I want to become part of the bride of Christ. I want to be his bride, but I don't want to make a lot of concessions. I want to set my own expectations even though God's gifted me with things that I ought to do for the sake of being the bride of Christ. We need to serve. Listen, the core motivation of twos, why do they help? Why do they do what they do? What's going on on the inside? The core motivation of helpers is to feel loved. They want to feel loved. When do, when do they feel the most loved? They feel the most loved when they feel useful. Useful. One of the worst things you can do is tell a two to stop serving you. Stop doing what you're doing. No, they feel useful. Like, let them serve you, but don't let them be abused by you. Don't let them become codependent. If they're not careful, they can become codependent, and they can see their whole role, their whole identity as what they do for other people, and that is not their identity. They put their identity in serving and in what they do. And that's not who God has called you and I to be. Listen, if you're a two and you're a mom, you've got to prepare yourself for one day your kids are going to leave the house. And you know what happens? If you're a two and you're a mom and that happens, you freak out. You don't know who you are because everything was wrapped up in doing stuff for these kids and now they've left the house. Your identity is wrapped up in what you do. Men, listen to me. If you're a two, there is some day that you're gonna to need to retire. There's some day that your workplace is gonna send you home and tell you to stay. Stay at home. And if you love a two or you're married to a two, who's a guy particularly, and he comes home from work, he retires, guess what happens? He freaks out. Because he doesn't know who he is apart from what he's done. His identity is wrapped up in his doing. 
as we talk so much about identity and formation and community and mission, whenever our identity gets attached to what we do and not who we are, God always corrects us back to who we are. What does that mean? It means you and I do a lot of things, but it's not who we are. Who we are is you or I. We are a son or a daughter of the Most High God whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. Do you see how your identity is outside of anything you've done or not done? You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God whom he loves with whom he is well pleased. When you walked in here today, he's saying, you're my son or daughter whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. He's pleased with you. But even a God pleased with us will encourage us to use the very things that he's called us to do so that we serve him as the bride of Christ because those things are gifts. Those things are gifts that he's given you. And sometimes gifts can be taken away when we don't use them. They atrophy. And God's saying, use your gifts. Use them. Well, twos, they feel loved and they feel loved when they feel helpful. Write this down. The helper's inner need is to be needed. They need to be needed. Do you know that God doesn't need you? God created a lot of people, and he wasn't like, oh, no, I created a whole bunch of people that hate me. What am I going to do? No, God doesn't need you and me, but God loves you and me. He loves you. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need all you and all your service. He loves you first. And that's what Jesus is communicating to Martha. He's saying, Yes, you're distracted by many things, but this is what is most important. He's communicating and inviting Martha to sit down with your sister, to be affirmed as a woman and as a disciple and as a learner, as a student. Come join relationship with me. He's inviting her to come sit. He's literally saying, Martha, turn down the pressure cooker, sit at my feet along with your sister, and enter my love. Listen to me, twos, it's okay for you to live serving, but you need to know that you were more than that. You were more than what you do. God created you for more than service. He created you for relationship with him and with others, and it's important for you to know that about yourself. Here's how you know you have a two in your circle group. You go to a circle group, and everything is prepared, and then it's really nice, and then as soon as the sharing gets really deep, the two just, they, they can't handle it. They get up and they go do the dishes. They get up and they go preparing something else. They get up and go clean. Why? Because for a two, the stuff that happens between preparing for the night and cleaning up for the night is terrifying. It's scary. Like, I, you mean I got to sit there? I, I can't do anything? I mean, it would be really awkward if they reach in their back pocket and they grab a rag and they just start wiping everybody's mouth. You just can't do that at circle group. They will not come back, I'm telling you. But again, God invites us into relationship. He invites us to sit, to listen, to go deeper, to go outside of our comfort zone. So what's the focus of the helper? Write this down. The focus of the helper are the needs of others. Now, thank God for the helpers, because without you twos, we would completely ignore everybody's needs. Do you realize that? Without the twos, we would just run over everybody else's needs. The achiever would be like, let's go. We don't care what your needs are. And the, you know, the twos are like, well, I think the kids need to go to the bathroom. 
I don't care, let's go, we gotta race, we gotta win, right? And then if you're at a party like you know, the sevens are having a great time, they're oh, this is the best ever. They're not even gonna notice that there might be an introvert in the corner, there might be a two who's not talking to anybody else, there might be somebody who feels a little awkward, they're not even gonna notice it, but the two is gonna notice and say, hey, how, can we, how do we invite this person into the conversation? They see the needs of others. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that they're able to do. They see, they care, they run to help. Look, when you're moving, do you know who shows up? Not the threes. The threes are like, oh, my back. Ah, I'm not available that day. The twos are who show up. They show up. They're like, hey, what can I help you with? How can I move that? Can I bring my dolly? Do you need pizza? Can I bring some drinks? They're just like the most awesome people. They will show up. They love to help. What do you need? What do you have going on? When you have cancer, we know who shows up? The twos. How can I help in practical needs? How can I take care of things that you can't even think about taking care of because you're so overwhelmed in the condition of your health? They are the best people. Listen, when it gets uncomfortable for the rest of us, twos feel very safe. So we go in and we do hospital visits. We're maybe dealing with somebody in their home and they're on hospice and it's not looking good and, and, and that's the condition of it. And a lot of us would walk in and we'd feel like, I'm uncomfortable, I don't, I don't know what to say, I don't have the right words, I don't know how to fix this, like, there's nothing to fix. You know, I can't get it done and I'm just trying to love on people and the twos, they sweep in, they'll grab the person's hand, they sit up on the bed. It's like they're just, you know, the most comfortable person in the world. They look them right in the eye, they talk to them as if they don't even have a health issue. Twos, you see the needs of others, you help. You're the best people in that kind of situation. Praise God for you. We need you. We need you. Twos are led by their hearts, and that is beautiful. Write this down. The core sin, and we all have core sins. I mean, uh, the core sin is pride. Some of you in the room are like, seriously, did it have to be pride? Like, honestly, couldn't it be one of the others? Well, I just want to let you know, lust is coming. And that's not your week. So right now, the core sin for two is pride. It's for the rest of us. Just hang on. We'll get there. The hardest sin to detect is the sin of pride. Because pride blinds us. It blinds us to what is really going on in us. And that's why it's so important for you and I to love God and to love others and to understand ourselves. Because sin including pride, comes in and it deceives, it blinds us. Pride is what made the devil the devil. And you're not called to live like the devil. You're called to live like Christ. Pride is the one thing that Scripture says God will always oppose. He'll always oppose it. He's not passive about it. He always moves toward it. So if you have pride in your life and you're wrestling with God, you're going to wrestle with God. And by the way, you're going to lose because God loves you enough to not love you become like the devil. He wants your heart to be soft. If you're wrestling with pride, you're actually wrestling with God and you're gonna lose. You say, well, I just wanna help people. Well, yeah, so did Martha. But here's how her pride got the best of her. She thought she knew better than Jesus did what Mary needed to be doing. She thought, she knew better what Mary ought to be doing. And in fact, she couldn't see for herself what maybe she ought to be doing, what she was being invited into, the party that was right there, the relationship that she's being invited into. See, Jesus didn't just come to save you from the wrong things you do in your life. 
He came to save you from the right things you're doing for the wrong reasons. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't just come to save you from the wrong things you do in your life. He came to save you from the right things you do, but for the wrong reasons. Motives matter. And the beautiful thing about God is that he sees right through our outside. He sees right through our works. And he looks at the thoughts and intentions and the motivations of the heart. And two, sometimes the way that we can help can come with strings. The ways that we help others can come with expectations. I will help you, and I sincerely hope you don't reject me. I can help you, but it comes with maybe some strength. It can be, the help can be manipulative. I want you to look at me and think that I'm great. I want you to say, oh, how humble he or she is. Look at how they help everybody. They must love people better than all the rest of us. And you probably do love people better than the rest of us. But it's a beautiful thing, except when pride gets in there and God looks through it and peels it back and says, are you serving me because I served you? You're serving me for the accolades. You're great. You're awesome. You're beautiful. You're always serving. You're always at the kids' school. You're always at the kids' team. But sometimes you can be judging everybody else and be self-righteous and prideful. So if you're a two, sometimes you got to learn to confess. Well, what are you going to confess? Twos work on this. If you're a two, you got to just be honest with yourself, honest with others, honest with God. The way that you're honest is you say this, my pride got the best of me this week. Just my pride. I wish it didn't, but my pride just got the best of me this week. That takes you from the slow road that makes you an unhealthy two and brings you right back into the place of being a two from a healthy place. When unhealthy, helpers avoid their own needs. They avoid their own needs. And again, Martha's in the kitchen and, and she's not realizing, she doesn't even know she has a need for a relationship with Jesus in this moment because she thinks the moment is the need. And she just can't understand it. And that's what happens for us twos. If you're a two, sometimes you're going to serve, 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 and you're not going to acknowledge that you have needs. And by the time you acknowledge you have needs, you're so frustrated that you blow up and tell everybody else that you have needs. But you've needed your needs met for a long time. And God is saying your biggest need that needs to be met is relationship first with me, then with others, and you need to know yourself. So if you are a two, if you love a two, if you're raising a two, if your coworker is a two, how in the world do you love a helper who's in your life? Number one on your outline, notice them and thank them for their service. Thank them. Yeah, they did it a hundred times. Thank them anyway. Listen, when you go, and by the way, how many of you have kids? Just raise your hands. If you have kids, all right. When you go and you pick up your kids today, thank the children's workers because you know what you dropped off. <laughs> you know what you gave them. I mean, honestly, I think if I was an atheist, I would probably go to church because free childcare, right? I just need a break. Some of you are here today because you needed a break. You're like, I, maybe I'm here for God. Just need a break. No, thank them. Thank twos when they help you, when they serve you. Number two, have them name one thing you can do for them. This will drive them nuts. Ask a two, well, uh, can I do anything for you? They say, no, 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 just sit down. You're just fine, fine. Say, well, can I do a dish? Can I, can I wash a cup? Can I take out some trash? Can I, can I trim something for you? It'll drive them nuts. You watch them squirm. Why? Because they think they can do it all. But you're helping the helper when you come alongside them, and when you say, can I help you, and they know that they're a little bit overwhelmed, they'll tell you right away what needs to be done. 
and they'll thank you for it. Number three, invite them over when you don't need anything done. See, some of you, you use the twos in your life. Your friend only comes over when you need something done. Just invite them over. If they're a two, they're a helper, you just invite them over. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to hang out. They won't know what to do. We're not going to fix anything? No, we're just going to chill. We're going to watch the game. We're just going to be together. We're going to have some conversation. Can I dust your TV? Can I? No, no, just sit, right? Just be. Let them know that they're valuable for who they are. And if you know a helper real well and you want to go deeper with them, ask them to stop, tell you how their time with God and their time with their family and friends are going. Are you developing friendships? How's your God time going? How is your time with family? Are you just serving your family or are you actually in relationship with your husband, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers? Sometimes twos, we have to share this. Wow, my shame gets out of control and then my pride kicks in and I just have let it get out of control this week and it's okay. Sometimes you need to do that. I need to recalibrate. I need that time with family. I need that time with friends. I need that time with my mom on her Mother's Day. I need that time with friends and family when I can't be with my mom on Mother's Day. Listen to me. Christianity is not a doing religion. It's not a human work of religion. It is spelled D-O-N-E. Jesus Christ has done the work on the cross. He's our advocate in heaven. He calls us to serve out of love for him, but to do it out of relationship with him. And he's inviting us in to relationship. He's inviting us in to rest. Because listen to me, twos, being a two can be exhausting. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just think about your own life. Maybe you're here today and you might be a two or you might not. But maybe you're here today and you're realizing for the first time that God is inviting you into relationship that he's offered to forgive you of all your sin, to wash it all away, that he wants you to come to heaven to be with him when you die, that he wants to say, my penalty on the cross has been paid, and now I'm offering you a gift, but you need to come through me to do it. You need to receive me and receive relationship with me. And maybe in this room right now, Jesus isn't saying, Martha, Martha. Maybe he's saying your name twice. And maybe he's saying, come to me. And some of you, you know, maybe you've believed some things about God in your head, but you know Jesus is drawing you right now into relationship. If that's you, you pray a prayer like this right after me. Just pray this. Jesus, today, I give you me. I don't have it all together. I don't know where it all is. But I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me as white as snow. I believe that you are God and I realize you want relationship with me. So today, Jesus, I give you me. And right now, if you prayed that prayer, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, but just raise your hand anywhere around the room that today is the day you prayed that awesome in the middle, anywhere else, maybe up in the loft. One of my friends will see you up there if you raise your hand, because I can't. But down on the floor, all the way in the back, greatest decision you could ever make, that today God's inviting you to relationship. And friends who already know Jesus in here, Guess what God's doing? He's inviting you into relationship and he's inviting you to serve. He's saying, I have served you. Go and do likewise. And maybe today God is just showing you how you can step up and be a helper 
to be a healthier person, even if your core personality isn't one who is a helper. God, we thank you for these decisions today. We thank you for you. God, I thank you for uh, the reformers and helpers and others in my life. God, thank you for this series that we can know and love you better. In Jesus' name, and together we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.